God is going to cause you to change and he's going to cause you to take your promised land, but you got to quit looking for a get rich quick scheme. Come on, somebody. God is thinking peace of you and not evil. That when he thinks about your life, he's not mad at you. The strongest people are people that understand togetherness. All throughout your life, you're on this journey to go from me to we. Love God. Lift others. Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. chapter 21, 12 through 14. It says this, Then Jesus went into the temple of God, and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And then he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Now, Father, I pray for everybody that's watching right now. I pray that we would take this word for us, that you would ignite a flame in us for prayer, that you would ignite uh, an appetite in us for prayer. Lord God, let prayer transform us in these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Let us gain a greater understanding of what prayer can do for the kingdom of God and for us as we get into this word. I pray, Lord God, that you would cause this word to come alive in a greater way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So Matthew 21, 12 through 14, starts off with Jesus' visit to the temple. And what Jesus finds amongst the people of God of the day disgusts him. He finds people that are in the temple not concerned about the ordinances of God, the word of God, the commands of God. They're not concerned with God's presence uh, there. They're not concerned with uh, God at all. Basically, what they're concerned about is their own needs. And he goes in and he sees people that are selling uh, uh, doves, to the congregants. And you say, well, what is that all about? See, back in the Old Testament law, God required sacrifices. And he would ask a person to sacrifice a dove from one of their, you know, doves that they would have or one of their animals that they would bring from home. 
And see, what began to happen in the, with the Jews is rather than bring their own animals, they would just go and buy an animal that somebody else raised, that somebody else put the effort into, buy that and offer that to God as their sacrifice, missing a big portion of what the sacrifice was. Many times it's even been said that some of those uh, uh, people selling those animals obviously tried to make a profit and they were using the people. And, and then there were those that were doing all kinds of business around the temple. Jesus was infuriated with a righteous anger. The Bible says here that he overturned the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He came in there and turned their tables over, y'all. One, I think it's in the book of Mark, says that he even took a cord and began to construct a, a whip to where not only did he turn the tables over, but he started whipping the people and driving them out of the temple. He cleaned the temple out of these thieves, he called them. People that were only coming to the temple to get their needs met. Oh, you need to catch that right there. And then what happens is after he drives them out, the blind and the lame begin to come to him and they're healed. Healing began to flow as God got the, 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 the temple right by making sure that the people understood why they were there. And he makes this statement. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you all have made it a den of thieves. Now, I got, I got to ask you this question. Have you made God's house a den of thieves? And you say, well, well, I'm not stealing from God. I'm a giver. I do this, this, and this. But listen, what in essence is a thief? A thief is somebody that comes to take with no regard of who the owner is. Did you catch that? A thief is one that will come and take something with no regard for who owns the thing they're taking. That sounds familiar to me. That sounds like a way, the way a lot of Christians go to church. It's just about getting a blessing. It's just about getting a word for me in minds. Yeah, I said minds. I'm from South Sac. You know, that's, that's what people go to church for. I'm going to get a word, to get this, to get that. Hey, wait a minute. What about what does God get? What are we giving to God? What are we sacrificing to the Lord? Are we coming to church in a place to give God worship, give him praise, give him our tithes and offerings? Or are we, are we just coming to get, get, get? If you're one of these Christians that has just become a consumer, it might be said that you could be one of these that would be considered a thief. Someone taking with no regard for the owner of the thing they're taking. Let's keep reading. So Jesus says, I don't want my house to be a house of thieves. I want it to be a house of prayer. So the money changers and the sellers, all these guys had made church about them rather than God. Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. Now, in saying that, you got to understand this. God's house is not only the local church. Did you know you're God's house? You, your life, 
is a house of God. He lives in you. So understanding that, Jesus makes a statement. My house, where I dwell, where my spirit lives, which is in you and I, it should be called a house of prayer. Same premise. My life should not be all about me and mine's. My life, because God's given me new life, should be about praying. My desire in this 21 days of fasting and prayer is that you and I become houses of prayer, people of prayer. Amen? Why? Because prayer changes everything. Let's keep going. So what Jesus was talking about here, uh, what he was doing in cleansing the temple he was trying to get, now look deeper, he's trying to get the emphasis off of us and put it back on God. And that's what prayer does. I want you to write this down. Prayer aligns you with God and his will. Prayer aligns you with God and his will. And this is why many of you have a hard time in prayer. Because your life is all about you and, and yours. It's all about you and yours. And if, and if it's not about you and yours, you don't really give a care. And so, you know, this is, this is where we need to talk about excuses and, and, and really be honest with ourselves. You know, this is where we get into, oh man, you know, I'm just too busy to pray. You know, I just, I, I don't really pray because I got work, I got the kids, I got a wife. Yeah, you got all the things that you prayed and asked God for, and now you don't pray. Guys, those are all excuses. We make time for what we want to make time for. And my, my prayer is this, in these 21 days, you're going to learn that you can make time for God. And as you do, he is going to do some miraculous, amazing things in your life. Amen. Give me some love in the comments there. I see you watching there. Uh, praise God. Uh, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So understand this. I want you to write this down. Prayer, as I said earlier, prayer aligns you with God and his will. And I want you to understand this second thing about prayer. Prayer is a sacrifice. Prayer is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of time. It's a sacrifice of effort. It, it, it's a sacrifice that God is worthy of, okay? Now, let me take you to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I'm going to read it to you in the New King James Version. And it says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And then it says, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, what's being spoken about in the scriptures here is how the early church got down, how they did things. It says here that they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine, it speaks of teaching, it speaks of preaching, it speaks of learning. What are they learning? The ways of the kingdom, what the apostles taught they're learning how to think different. They're learning how to be different. Come on, I talked to you about this a few weeks ago, that that term apostle was a military term that the Greeks and Romans used, that when they took over a territory uh, and, and they began to establish the new government, they would send 
apostles there. This is not a religious term. They would send apostles into a region like Jerusalem. And they would say, this city has now been overtaken by Rome. Caesar is now your ruler. And this apostle would begin to teach them the laws of the land under the new government. So when Jesus came and he said, you are my 12 apostles, what he was saying, he was not using a religious term. He was saying, you apostles must now go out into all the world and preach the gospel and teach them the ways of the kingdom. Now that you're a Christian, this is how we think. Now that you're a believer, this is how we act. This is how we think about money. This is how we think about relationships. This is how we think about sex. This is how we think about raising kids. See, when you became a Christian, you got to understand you now have the responsibility to learn the ways of the kingdom of God. And so that's what the apostles did in teaching doctrine. So that's one aspect of the church. It then goes on to say now they fellowshiped with one another. In other words, they gave time to relationship building, to connection, to establishing community. Okay, It says they fellowshiped in the breaking of bread. They had meals together. See, some of you, you go to church, you're the last one in, the first one to leave. Because you're not about anybody else. You're not about God's business. You've come only to take. Give me my blessing. Give me my word. I want to talk to nobody. I don't want to know anybody. Just give me minds. Remember, we talked about a thief. That mindset is not going to get you far in the kingdom of God. The early church was about teaching, preaching, fellowship in the breaking of bread, which means being intentional in community, being intentional in communion with one another. When was the last time you say, hey, man, let's get some coffee, you know, with somebody from church, one of the brothers, one of the sisters. Hey, let's let's go out to lunch sometime and just connected. See, that's what the early church did. Now, here's the thing I want you to catch here. They also connected in prayer, in prayer. So important in prayer. And I believe in this and we're going to turn a corner here, even as a church, that prayer is going to become a stronger part of our culture. We're going to take more time in our services to pray. Pray over the needs of the body. Pray over what's going on in our city. Did you know that there's a there's been so many killings? 2021 for Sacramento was one of the highest murder rates that we had seen in years. I was talking to Pastor Jesse about some of this, and he had, some of you might have saw a post that he made, and, and it just burdened me like, oh my gosh, Sacramento is in turmoil. We must pray. That's what the early church did. But the average Christian in America doesn't know how to pray and doesn't pray. But we're going to fix that. Amen. So so that's what the early church did. And then it says, as they did these things, great reverence or great fear came upon every soul. That's not fear like a horror movie fear or I'm afraid of you. That That's talking about reverence in a sense. That it says many wonders and signs were done through the leaders, through the apostles. Why? I believe a big part is that prayer ingredient. So that's the journey we're going on, to teach you to pray, to make sure that your life is a life of power, that you know how to connect with God when you get some bad news. Do you fall to pieces? 
Or do you run to God? Come on, somebody. Prayer is going to teach you how to run to God. So I want you to write this down. Prayer should be a part of my life. My life. And I'm just declaring this over our church. Prayer is going to be a part of our culture, of who we are. When people find out that you're a part of Elevate Life Church, they're going to know you pray. You can pray. You can pray heaven down. You can get answers. When people need a healing, when people need breakthrough, they know they can come to our church and they can experience God through prayer. Prayer is important, guys. Let me prove it to you more in the scriptures. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Amen. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 5, 8 through 10. I'm telling you, as you get time, read the book of Revelation. I know there's a big portion of it that many of us don't understand because it, it, the, the typography of how it's written and all these things. But there's some important keys in that book that we cannot overlook. Look at this vision here that, uh, that, that is written down about. It says, and this is about the end times and what's taking place in the heavenlies. Revelations 5, 8 and 10 says this. Now, when he had taken the scroll... The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of incense. Listen to this. Which are the prayers of the saints? And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign in on the earth. So what are we talking about here? Look at this portion that it says here saying that in the heavenlies there were golden bowls full of incense. And listen to what it says the incense represents. It says the incense represents the prayers of the saints, not the prayers of the world. Someone's going to get mad at me for this. The prayers of the saints, the born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled believers in the earth, our prayers go up before God as incense, and they're gathered in bowls. Now, look at Revelation chapter 8. Let's go a few chapters later and look what he does with those bowls. In verses 3 and 5, Revelation 8, 3 and 5, it says this, Then another angel, having a gold censer, came and stood at the altar. And he, had, he was given much incense, remember, much prayer. That incense re uh, uh, represents prayers. That he should offer it with the prayer of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, ascended before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, listen to this, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. What does all this mean? You know, you ever read the book of Revelation, it's like, it sounds like a Steven Spielberg movie, you know? Basically, what that means is this. When the prayers of the saints on the earth coincide with the will of God in heaven, God releases power from heaven to fulfill the prayers of the saints. You catch that? The will of God plus our prayers coming together releases answers in the earth realm. 
That's what that talks about there. So I want you to understand this. The prayers of the saints change what's going on in the earth. That's why the revelation that we're talking to you about is this. Prayer changes everything. Now remember, there's two ingredients that Revelations talks about. Remember, he's bringing the prayers of the saints with the incense of heaven, with, with, with the will of God in heaven. There's two things you got to have to bring change in the earth. Number one, write this down, is the, the knowledge of God's will. The knowledge of what is the will of God. And you might be hearing that and you might be going, well, well, pastor, you know, isn't that the great mystery of, of heaven? How do we know God's will? Guys, God has made his will plain through his word. His word reveals to us the will of God. This book here tells me what God thinks, how God moves, what his will is for my life and yours. This book tells me how he sees the world, how he sees the church, how he sees me, how he sees you. This book tells me God's will in the earth. But many Christians won't take the time to read it. <laughs> After 30 years of preaching, I realized that I preach to people that many times forget what I preach the moment they leave this church. I tell you what, uh, being a pastor ain't for the weak of heart. And you might say, ah, oh, that, that sounds like a tough job. Listen, uh, it would be without God's presence. It would be without him in my life. Because it can be very discouraging that you get up and you study and you prepare and you get something that, man, if one person gets this nugget that I'm throwing out, their life is going to change forever. But not only their life, the life of their kids, the life of their descendants. And you prepare it, you get it, and you throw it out. And some people, because they have no desire to know God's will, don't even, don't even get it. Don't even get it. I've seen it, y'all. But this is why I want you to catch this today, what it's talking about here in the book of Revelation. For prayer to change everything in the earth realm and in your realm, you got to know God's will, which means you got to know his word. Amen? You've got to know his word. His word plus our prayers can change anything. Amen? It could change anything. Listen, if you're a member of, of the house of God and, and you're going, well, I just don't understand God's word. Listen, uh, in 2020, the Lord spoke to my wife, Pastor Tina, about just helping. Actually, it was only two people or one person even uh, that said, hey, you know what? I just I don't understand the word. I just need some help. My wife said, you know what? I'll get up at seven o'clock and we'll do a Bible study together. She began to do that, and then she opened it up to the rest of the people in the body, and, and that's actually starting again tomorrow, uh, I believe. I think so. It's starting again soon, amen? And uh, give me some, give me some uh, tell me when it's starting there, Pastor Tina, amen? I think it's tomorrow. Um, and, and, and they began to just study the word, and so many of you have joined in on that, and I, we've heard so many testimonies of how it has awakened your desire for God's word is awakened. You're, you're wanting to understand his will. And that's so important because some people pray. 
but they're not praying according to God's word, which is his will. And when you don't have his will on something, it's going to always weaken your understanding and your prayers, okay? So we learn that from the book of Revelation. It's his will mixed with our prayers. And when they come together, uh, the, the typography, the language that they use right here is all of a sudden when it was thrown down to the earth realm, there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, earthquakes, other things. things in other words, things were changing. Because prayers came in contact with God's will and it changed things in the earth realm. Okay? Prayer changes everything. Can I get an amen on that? Prayer changes everything. It can change your financial situation. It can change your business. It can change your marriage. It can change your family. It can change you. It can break addiction. It can cause you to become another man. Yeah, but all you got to do, you got to first find out what God's will is. What does God's word say about you? Does God want you to be free from addiction? His word says it. His word says he does. His word says it is not his will that you and I should perish. So we know the will of God for people to be saved. We know that Jesus took 39 stripes on his back for the healing of the nation. So we know he does not want you to die of COVID, of cancer of anything else. We know that because his word tells us that. We know that his thoughts towards you and I are of success, are, 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 of, are of blessing and not of cursing, of a future and a hope. We know that because it's in his word. But let me ask you this. Do you know it? Or do you just know it because you've heard me say it? Or your grandma say it? Or your mama say it? Or your mama's mama say it. Hey, listen, you better get God's word for yourself. And then mix it with prayer. Amen. Prayer is important. So we see in Revelation the, the, the uh, understanding that prayer is represented by incense throughout the word of God. We see that in the book of Exodus when Aaron uh, was instructed to make an uh, a altar of incense. Why is that there? Because it points to prayer in the life of a believer. It's a type and shadow that you and I should be offering to God. Catch this now. The sacrifice of prayer. It's an offering. It's something we bring to the Lord of our time, our effort, our, our uh, desire to connect with him. We could be doing other things, but instead, God, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to play video games. I'm not going to go fellowship. I'm going to spend some time with you. And, and that there is represented at the uh, altar of incense that Aaron had, that, had to make. And the Bible's clear that Aaron, every morning when he woke up, would offer incense unto the Lord, representing morning prayers. But he didn't only do it in the morning. He then at night, at twilight, he was instructed, go again to the altar of incense and light some more incense. Why? Because it's symbolic of prayer. So there was morning prayer and there was evening prayer. And that was offered up unto the Lord as a sacrifice. It's all throughout the word of God, folks. We can't get away from prayer and the importance of it. Even when you see the story as we just celebrated Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, and years later when the three kings came to Jesus, they brought gifts of uh, frankincense and myrrh and gold. They brought, they brought him treasure. But did you know frankincense was also used as an incense? 
So in turn, they brought Jesus their treasure and their prayers. Frankincense was an in, in, it was, was incense that was symbolic of prayer. They brought Jesus treasure and prayer, treasure and prayer. That's what they brought to Jesus. It's all throughout the scriptures, the importance of prayer. We see it all throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, Act, uh, verse 4, talks about when they had decisions uh, uh, to be made, they prayed. And Acts chapter 10, verse 4, actually, let's go there right now. Because it, 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 it talks about the importance of prayer that a lot of people don't want to talk about many times. And that's that prayer gets God's attention. There are two things that this verse talks about that got the attention of God for the centurion. Now, this scripture is, is so important because the centurion was not a part of the, of the covenant people of God. He wasn't a part of Israel. But the Bible says something got God's attention in his life. And, and you need to learn this because there's a way to get God's attention from heaven into your life. It says in, verse, in Acts chapter 10, verse 4, it says that when he observed him, he was afraid. And said, what is it, Lord? And so he said to him, your prayers, read this in, in context. I don't have time to go through the whole chapter. He said, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. This gentleman's prayer life and his giving, that's what alms is. Alms is giving to the poor. His giving and his prayers got God's attention to bring salvation into his life and into his home. Somebody that wasn't in the family of God at the time. Guys, I'm just telling you, your prayers and your giving are so important to God. As we begin this new year, we've got to make sure that we're giving God our prayer and our treasure and seeing that those are two things that when you want to get God's attention, that's how you do it. There have been times in my life when we were going through and we needed a breakthrough. I didn't just pray for a breakthrough. Many times I'd be like, babe, we need a breakthrough. We need to sow something. We need to give an offering. We need to do something above, write a check, bless this person, sow this thing. Because the scriptures teach me that's two ways that get God's attention in our life. And that's what got God's attention when it came to this man. It wasn't his works. It wasn't that he was a cool guy. It was his prayers and his giving. Now let's keep going. So the thing I want you to catch today is this. Prayer gets God's attention. Why does it get God's attention? I just want you to write this down. Because God hears our prayers. He hears our prayers. He hears you when you pray. Let's look at Matthew chapter 21, 21 through 22. Let me just, I'm giving you some scriptures here on why it's important to pray. Acts 10, 4 says this, prayer gets God's attention. All right, the second thing, Matthew 21, 21 and 22 talks about this. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, and you, and, and you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Second reason prayer is important is because it's the place of asking and petitioning God. 
It's the place and the time. How many know there's a time for everything? Prayer is the place and time for you to ask God things and petition God things for your life. Come on, moms and dads. How many know there's a, there's a time for everything? There's a time for everything. There's a time to ask. You know, it's kind of like your kids when you're in the middle of a task and they want to come and ask you for something. It's not time for that. You know, you're in the middle of this. Hey, mom, can we do this? And you're just like, hey, you know what? Come back to me with that. I'm in the middle of something. Well, the Bible says that God also has a time and a place for us to ask him things. I'm not saying that God is like your mom or God's like your dad in that response. I'm just, I'm just using that as an example that there is a time for things. Jesus is saying this, the time to ask God for things is in prayer. The time to petition God for things that you need is in prayer. And he says something very uh, important there in Matthew 21. He also says it in Matthew chapter, uh, tw I'm sorry, Mark 24. He says that whatever things you ask for in prayer, believing, believing. We're going to talk about the importance of believing in your prayers. Because many of you don't believe in your own prayers. That's why you always want somebody else to pray for you. Because you believe in their prayers, but you don't believe in your own. It's a side note. We'll get into that another time. But understand, prayer is important because it's the time for you to ask and petition God. Okay? Let's go to the third thing. Mark chapter 9, 28 through 29. Okay? Mark chapter 9, 28 through 29. Highlight these in your Bible. I'm telling you, I'm giving you gold right now. This is going to help you in your prayer life. It says, and when he had come into the house... His disciples asked him privately. Remember, the context of this verse is Jesus had just cast out a spirit, a deaf and dumb spirit, uh, and brought healing to a kid. And, and the disciples had tried to do it, but they couldn't. And so here's what it says. And they came into the house. The disciples asked him privately, why can we not cast it out? So Jesus says to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And we're getting on a fast, amen? So understand this. Then uh, the third thing that makes prayer important is because prayer and fasting brings power and loosens chains. Prayer brings power. Somebody needs to write that down. Prayer brings power. No power, no prayer. But when there's prayer, there'll be power. If you want power in your life, make sure there's prayer. Prayer and fasting brings power and the loosening of chains. This is what that whole verse is about there. They came upon a young man that was bound. And they asked God to heal him, but he wasn't healed. The mistake they made is they had not prayed and fasted. Jesus walks in there. He's able to do it, not because he's the son of God. That wasn't his answer. He didn't say to them, well, you guys couldn't do it because you're not the son of God like me. No, he gave them the keys. Y'all want to do this too? Then you need to pray and you need to fast. And when you do these things, you'll have the same power in your life that I had. Ooh, somebody needs to catch that today. Because you've been fighting battles without power. You're not even fighting, you're lasting. Let's change that. Let's change that through prayer 
and fasting. So, amen. Those are three important aspects of prayer I want you to catch today. Prayer gets God's attention. It's the place of asking and petitioning God. And prayer and fasting brings power and loosens chains. Amen. And let's not forget that Jesus is the one who taught us to pray. How did, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Well, let's look at that real quick. Matthew 6, 9 through 15. Many of us learn this in the Catholic Church. We learn this in Catholic school. We learn this when we were little. In this manner, after seeing all the things that Jesus did in his ministry, they asked him this, pray, this question. And this is the question you and I need to ask. Teach us to pray. And so Jesus' response to them in Mark, I'm sorry, in Matthew 6, 9 through 15, in this manner, he says, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Remember your will and our prayers. Be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. So he breaks it down and he gives us some important keys. Now, church, I want you to catch this because as we're doing our 21-day fast, I believe this is an important key that's going to bring breakthrough for you in the areas that you're believing for. He says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will be done. He starts off the whole thing saying, God, it's not about what I want. It's not about the things I desire. Let it be about your will. That's important, y'all. Now, we're starting this fast today, and uh, uh, we... I posted yesterday the fasting focus. And I want to go over these real quick as we're talking about prayer and fasting and mainly getting down to praying God's will into the earth. Our fasting focus, and you can find it over at our, our group page, and I'm sure they're going to post it on uh, our social media accounts and different things like that. <clears throat> our fasting focus, I want to go over these things. Number one, we're fasting these 21 days so that God is going to give us greater capacity for him. Greater capacity for him. See, fasting makes room for him. It causes us to push things out of the way, to focus on him so that God can move in our lives. Greater capacity for God means this. It's time to repent of certain things that some of us have been holding on to. What is it in your life that you just keep as a pet sin? Something that you just pet every now and again, you keep it in your life. Hey, it's time to let that thing go. Let's ask for God to give us greater capacity. Remember how he did it in the temple? Before the healings began to work, before people were getting healed, he had to go in there, cleanse the temple, drive the money changers and thieves out, establish prayer, and then things began to happen. It's the same way in your life. We need to repent. We need to move things out of the way. We need to focus on prayer. 
And you're going to see signs and wonders begin to happen in your life, your business, your marriage, your family. Things that could never have happened without him. So we're praying that God gives us greater capacity for him. Making room for him to move in our lives. Repenting of sin. Pushing pride aside. Listen, if you're somebody that doesn't have a prayer life, it's not because you're too busy. Can I tell you what it is? Can, can, can we have a little big boy church today? Can I tell you what it is? The root of prayerlessness in my life, in your life, in every person's life is always pride. It's always pride. You actually think you don't need to pray. Now, you would never say that with your mouth, but your actions prove what you believe. You actually believe you're a good father without prayer. <laughs> you actually believe you're the best husband you can be without prayer. You actually believe you're the you're the you know you're the business owner. This and that is going to work without prayer. You know what that is? Number one, it's a deception. But number two, it's pride. It's pride. You think I got this? Come on, and, and I think that was Martin Payne, right? He used to say that I got this, Gina. Listen, that's pride. The quicker you learn. Total dependence on God. And that's what prayer does. That's what prayer brings us to. It brings us to that place of pushing aside our pride. And here it is, humbling our soul. Why do we want to humble our soul? So that we can hear and experience God. So this first focus is God give us greater capacity for you. What's that going to do? That's going to cause us to be able to hear and experience God. Look at Joel chapter 2, verse 12 on your own time. Write that down and, and you can see why we're, we're fasting for that. Number two, second thing we're fasting for in our lives. You ready for this? It's for bondages of trauma, addiction, spiritual blindness to be broken in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. Guys, I can't tell you how much in ministry over the last 10 years, actually over the last five years, much of what we're ministering to people is how to overcome their trauma, how to overcome their past. You were abused as a child, but that trauma, some of us have given permission to continue to work. Now it's working in your marriage. Now it's working in your kids. And I'm believing the bondage of trauma because Jesus said this, whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. And even though that happened to you, you can come through the fire and not even smell like smoke. That's what happened to the three Hebrew children. They went through a trauma, but they came through it with none of the effects. Ooh, somebody needs to grab hold of this. Because the abuse that you went through as a child, everybody around you is still paying for it. The things you went through, the trauma that you experienced is now coming out towards your husband. It's now coming out towards your wife. It's now coming out towards your children. And listen, that is not God's will for your life. How do you know, Pastor? John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Okay? And a life that is still living out the effects of trauma is not an abundant life. Okay? I don't I do not believe that when God sets you free, he was like, "Oh, you're free from that trauma, but for the rest of your life you're going to have to look at life through this lens." No. And so on this fast, one of the things we're targeting 
for ourselves, for ourselves. I want you to focus this on you, okay? Because we get into this point, we think, ooh, well, my husband needs this. Ooh, my wife needs this. No, you need it because you didn't have a dad growing up because you were abused because people told you you'd never make it. And so before you go to putting this off somebody else, oh, come on, you need this for yourself. Isaiah 58 verse 6 is the verse that we're standing on. See, we need a verse for our prayers because that's what we stand on. It's the mixing of God's will with our prayers that brings change. And so we're asking God to give us greater capacity for him. And the second thing, we're asking God to break bondages of trauma, addiction, and spiritual blindness to be broken over our lives and the lives of our loved ones. So the first emphasis is for you. The second emphasis is for your loved ones. Amen? So that, that's what we're asking God to do in this fast. That's what we're believing is we're seeking God. He's going to break those chains. And Isaiah 58 verse 6 talks about fasting and prayer breaking chains so that you can move forward in your marriage, so that you can move forward uh, in your household and in your business. And the third emphasis that we have right here for our fast this, this month is this. Uh, we're praying for greater hunger for God in our lives. A greater hunger for God. Oh, that we would hunger for God's word more than we hunger for football. More than we hunger for movies and entertainment. More than we hunger for Disney. Come on, somebody. I see you, JB. More than we hunger for whatever it is. Whatever your little pet thing is. I love sports. But I'll not allow sports to have a greater hunger for me from me than I have a hunger for God. And so this fast, I'm praying, God... Give me a greater hunger for you in my life. That's the first aspect. Then we're praying for revival in our church. We need revival in our church. We need God to revive us as a people, as a congregation, as, as, as a gathering, as a house. That when we come in here, there's a focus. That we're called, our vision, to love God and to lift others. We don't tear them down. We don't gossip about their Instagram pages. We don't look at them and judge them. We don't do all that stuff. Why? Because we want revival. Revive us, Lord God. Put us in a place to where we can really be a blessing to whoever comes through our doors, that they can meet you. Remember what Pastor Charles taught us when he was here, that our church is a gateway to heaven. Then we, I pray that because we're in revival, that anybody can come through our doors and experience and meet God and experience heaven. They can be healed. They can be delivered. They can be changed. Blind eyes can be opened. They can receive the revelation of who Jesus is. We need that in our church. And that third part there is salvation for our city and for our community. Those are our three focuses in fasting. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Oh, well, pastor, that's cool and everything, but I want to fast for my marriage. Oh, that's cool, but I want to fast for my business. I want to fast for this. And right away, we want to make it personal. But can I take you over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? Can I take you over there real quick? But I know we all got personal needs, and, and, and I know we all have these things. But remember what Jesus taught us to pray. He said, your will be done. He put that right at the beginning of the Our Father. He led with worship, praise, and then he says, your will be done what you want. Now look what it says in Matthew chapter 6, 33. He says, for all these things the Gentiles seek or the lost seek. For your heavenly father knows what you, that you need all things. 
But he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything you need will be added to you. Did y'all catch that? The focus that we're trying to establish and that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples is that, hey, I know you got needs. I know your marriage is going through some stuff. Hey, I know you've been waiting for a husband for years now and you're growing weary. I know you want to get married. I know you want to have kids. I know you want your business to take off. But seek my kingdom first. Now, here's the thing. He's not saying don't, you know, only seek his kingdom. He's not saying that. But he's saying seek it first. Did you catch that? He's not saying, you know, you don't have to do anything for your business, your marriage. Now, obviously, we've got to tend to those things. But what Jesus is saying is, put me first. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek my agenda first. Are y'all catching that? So in this fast, as we focus on these three things first, not only first, I believe Matthew 6, 33 is going to work in our lives. Because we seek him first, he's going to begin to move in our marriages. He's going to speak to us about how to make them better. He's going to speak to us about our business, our finances, our ministry, our dreams, our goals, our visions. But the problem we have in the American church is we're always first. And we treat God like he's the blue genie from, from Aladdin. God, do this for me. Bless my business. Bless my this. Bless my that. And it's all about me, me, me. Let this fast be something where we recalibrate because it happens to all of us. Let this fast be a time where we put our focus back on Jesus. First, first. See, prayer becomes less about our needs and more about the will of God. So I didn't give you that last scripture for that last focus. That's Ezra chapter 8, 23. Quick review. The first one we're fasting for, give us greater capacity for God, Joel 2, 12. The second, we're fasting for bondages of trauma, addiction, and spiritual blindness to be broken in our lives. Excuse me, in the lives of our loved ones, Isaiah 58, 6. And then we're praying uh, for a greater hunger for God in our lives, revival in our church, and salvation in our city and community, Ezra chapter 8, 23. Okay? And as we do that first, not saying you can't pray for the other things, definitely. Remember, prayer is a place where you ask and petition. But as we seek God first, His will first, watch what God will do in your life. You know what's going to happen? He's going to meet all your needs because Matthew chapter 6, 33 is the will of God on the subject. And when you seek God first, his will is that he'll meet all your needs. Amen. Now, before I close here and uh, I see all your comments, praise God. Uh, thank you all for joining us here. And, and, and I'm loving the comments that you're seeing. Um, yes, our church needs revival. Amen. Uh, we, we need that. Our city needs revival. Amen. We have to have great hunger for God. But guess what? You need revival. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we all need it. And so let this focus be about you and I changing. All right. Now, let me give you some practical things as I close and, 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 and give you some things as we begin this fast. Galatians 5, 16 and 18 says this, that the spirit and the flesh are at war against each other. That when I want to do something, the flesh comes along and tries to keep me from it. <clears throat> Folks, you and I are about to enter a battle for the next 21 days between your flesh and your spirit. 
your flesh is not excited about fasting. Your flesh is gonna is gonna pout. It's gonna try to get you to quit. It's gonna try to get you to cheat. It's gonna bring all this stuff. Some of you might start experiencing headaches over the next couple days. You know, drink plenty of water. Make sure you're you're eating those those right things. It's not about just starving yourself. But you're gonna have a, a lack of energy. Usually, the first two three days can be very tough because your flesh didn't want to do this. You have all these ideas in your head. Why am I even doing this? And then the doubt's going to come. Is this ever going to, is this going to even do anything? And then all this stuff. Oh, I'm not ready to do this. I mean, all these things you're going to be bombarded with. Why? Because Galatians 5 tells me the flesh is at war with the spirit. All the flesh desires is comfort. All the flesh desires is, uh, is entertainment, sex, eating, that kind of stuff doesn't want to pray, doesn't want to fast. So just understand these next 21 days, it's a war with the will of God and your flesh. And you're going to have to deal with that a little bit. Amen. You're going to have to have that. And when you do, you're going through those times, you know, when I get headaches or I start feeling weak, I just close my eyes and I pray and say, God, give me strength. God, I put my spirit to lead this time. And I ask you to help me through this. Lord, I can't even do this fast if you don't help me. Ask God to help you. Ask God to equip you during this time. And again, I can't emphasize enough, this isn't a diet. Don't just not eat over the next couple, over the next 21 days and change your diet and feel like, oh, you fasted. No, listen, let's seek God together. Join the morning Bible studies at seven o'clock. You know, uh, I'm going to get on here from time to time and just encourage you through the 21 days. We are scheduling some prayer meetings throughout this time where we're going to come together and have prayer in the sanctuary and intercede for our for our focuses here uh, that we just talked about. It's going to be an awesome time. But I invite you guys join us on this journey of learning to pray. Join us on this journey in 2022 of establishing and building a prayer life. This morning, I've just given you the reasons why we need to pray, why it's important, and what God's going to do. We're going to get more into that in the weeks to come. Every day, just take a moment, bow your head, talk to the Lord. Prayer, in essence, is basically fellowshipping with God. It's simply getting in a posture where you just talk to God. We'll talk more about what that looks like in the weeks to come. But as you're starting to pray, maybe some of you have never done anything like this before. Prayer is very simple. Get in a quiet place and just talk to God. Worship Him. The Bible says, enter His gates with thanksgiving in your heart and a praise in your mouth. The password into the presence is always praise. When you pray, when you bow your head to pray, give God thanks. Say, God, I love you. I thank you. I praise you. The Bible says when we praise him, that's the, that's the password, so to speak, to his presence coming in the room. Now remember, we need his presence in prayer because prayer is fellowship. It's not only you talking to God, it's God talking back to you. So I want to encourage you right now, and I want to pray a prayer over you, a prayer of God's grace, a prayer of activating his will. You know what? The will of God for you when you pray is that he meets with you. Why? How do you know that? Because the scriptures tell me when I draw nigh to him, he draws near to me. When I take the first step, he then answers and responds. That's his will. He's going to meet with you. Now, Father, I pray over every person that's watching right now, Lord God. And as we begin this journey to become houses of prayer, 
I ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would strengthen the people, that you would meet with them, that you would be with them in their houses, in their jobs, on their cars as they drive to work or wherever it is that they have their time with you. I pray that you would speak to them. I pray that you would meet with them. I pray that you would release prayer languages all throughout for anybody that has not yet been filled with your Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues. Lord, I pray that they would receive that prayer language, Lord God. And Father, I pray in this time as we make our focus about your kingdom, as we make room, more room in our lives for you, that you would speak to us so that we can experience you and bring it to your people. Lord, I pray in this time you'll break chains over our life, chains of trauma, addiction, chains of spiritual blindness, Lord God. I pray that you'll do a deep work in us, Lord God, and transform us. And Lord, I pray for revival in our lives, in our church, in our city. Lord, let this church fulfill the will of God for it. Lord, I know when you spoke this church into existence, you've called and brought so many people to play their part. The will of God is that we would bring change to people that come in contact with us. Let us live out the will of God for this house. Father, I pray for everybody that's watching right now, that's going through things in their life, that's in a, in a trial, in a tough time, in their family, in their business, in their relationships. I pray for our singles. Many of them are, are, are sitting out today and they're saying, this is going to be the year, God, that you send uh, my blessing. Father, I pray that you would, you would, you would stoke the, 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 the flames of, of their expectation, that you would cause them to believe big again, that you would cause us all to believe big again. And Father, I just thank you that you have a divine appointment to meet with us in these 21 days. I pray over every person watching that your presence would saturate them because of their obedience to fast and pray. Change our church. Change our lives. Change our city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.